It is really good to be with you tonight. Uh, back in the late 50s, when movie cameras were first coming out, uh, my parents had some really good friends who were able to afford one. And they took theirs out and on vacation. And they, when they got home, they called us and said, come over. And we didn't realize that they had four hours of movies for us. And that wasn't so bad, except that when we watched the movies, they were in a boat, and, and he was just doing like this. And so by the end of about 10 minutes, we were all very nauseous going with the boat. But I kind of feel like that tonight with uh, our, our pictures from Israel. So uh, if you'll just knock off the next couple of hours. We're going to be just looking at pictures. Actually, I went through and I picked out pictures that I think you would enjoy. Um, there was a, a guide that we had on our trip. We went to something, and he was the man, and I was so drawn to his t-shirt on the back of it, and I think I have a slide uh, this is, I didn't get his name or his face, I just got the back of him, but it says, follow me, Jesus of Nazareth, and I thought, what a cool sermon title, follow me, the reflections of the Holy Land, and also I'm going um, back to when Adam just preached a few weeks ago, uh, ago about come and see, come and see what this Jesus is all about. So that all of this, follow me, come and see, look for Jesus wherever you are. We talked about that last week. So I want to share with you some of the pictures, and if you will just follow me to the Holy Lands, and Sid was there too, you can ask him questions. Uh, but one question I keep getting over and over was, how is the food? Did y'all survive? So I have pictures to prove that we did survive. You know, the olive trees are plentiful there. And they don't just produce and die. They produce and they produce and they produce. you got to remember that, that where we were, fruit grows around the year. And so it's not uncommon to find ancient, ancient olive trees with new growth on them. Uh, this picture is, if you can't tell, it's pomegranates, pomegranates that they've kind of taken the top off, and in the back is oranges, but they have this huge manual press, and you can just get fresh juice wherever you want. Uh, we'll go through some of the other slides of the food. Uh, this, if you can't tell, this is a plate of ice. Because Sid and I are from Texas, and we like ice in our water. So we would request ice, and I think they had four pieces on that little uh, plate. We could tell they were not in Texas. Um, and pizza, I never would have thought we'd gone to the Holy Lands and eaten a lot of pizza, but we ate a whole lot of pizza, probably five or six times. It was amazing. And next to that... Uh, see all those little bitty trays? Those are filled with different foods, and they will serve those every meal. Breakfast was a huge layout of these little bitty trays of all kinds of fresh goat cheese and 
all kinds of cheeses I'd never heard of and so many different olives and tuna and man we we were living the good life and on the right there are yeah on your right is a bowl of chickpeas over fresh hummus which was amazing and their bread I, I gained about five or six pounds just due to the bread the bread was always so fresh with no preservatives in it and so yes mark sweet we survived on the food uh, this tilapia is very common there. It's called St. Peter's fish. And you'll see one side is when we got the plate, and the other one is when we finished the plate. Uh, we, I think we had fish every single dinner. It was amazing. And, and the way that they grilled it, cooked it, any way you want it, but it was so fresh. Um, when we were at the Sea of Galilee, the fish came out fresh, and, and we were eating it that night. So no complaints from the Kieslers. Um, this is at market, and this is just, I kind of took this for our grandkids. This is just candy, just pure candy. And you just get a sack, and you just fill it up with candy and candy and candy. But also, there's, there's all kinds of other foods at the market. You can buy uh, fresh olives. You can buy anything at the open-air market. Uh, there's the olives, and they were amazing, absolutely amazing. Do we have any more food coming up? Uh, let me show you this map of the Sea of Galilee. And the reason I want you to see it is so you can kind of get an idea of where we were. You see Tiberias over to the left, and it's large because Tiberias is a, a pretty good-sized city. And from there, we, we stayed in Tiberias, and we went up to the north, um, over to the left and around the Sea of Galilee, and it's not on this map, but about where you see 87 is Capernaum. And Capernaum is a place where Jesus frequented often. He would uh, preach at the synagogue. Um, that's where Peter had a house, and that's where a lot of the disciples met. Um, and so there was a lot happening in Capernaum, and I'm going to talk a lot about that. Uh, as we went to the Sea of Galilee, uh, we have a few slides showing you of the actual sea. It's so easy to see why Jesus loved going to the Sea of Galilee, right? It's this enormous lake, and the mountains are behind it, and uh, there are some cities, but they're few and far between, and some of them are very small, but Capernaum has an amazing amount of ruins in it. Uh, we were very fortunate to stay at a, a little tiny hotel right on the water in Tiberias, and so actually a lot of these photos were taken out of our window. And so it was easy to be there and just get the rhythm of Jesus of why he would go there, because it was so peaceful and so beautiful. But also, you know, when the clouds would come in and when the storms would come in, you could just close your eyes and imagine the boat out there rocking back and forth in the storm. You remember that story? The disciples became very scared. 
And, and they looked on shore, and they saw a shadow, and that shadow started coming toward them, and it was actually Jesus walking on the water. And do you remember what Peter did? Peter, Peter recognized him and got so excited, he jumped out of the boat and started walking on the water, right? And before he got to Jesus, he looked down and saw what he was doing, and he began to sink. And Jesus said, oh, ye of little faith. And he helped Peter from there. We're going to talk about that story a little bit later on, um, how, how Jesus believed in Peter, but Peter didn't realize how much Jesus and God believed in him. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, what else do we have? This is at the Sea of Galilee. Sid and I picked up some wine and some fresh bread and went out. Um, we were all alone. We're on that particular beach, and we had communion there. And it was, it was special. And Jesus tells us to do this in remembrance of him. So for me to be with the one that I love so much and to be on the Sea of Galilee where Jesus walked was just an incredible experience. And that's why I love that we do communion every week because it brings us right into the presence of God. It brings us into the presence of Jesus. It reminds us that Jesus died, he suffered, and he died for me. And we need to preach the resurrection to ourselves every single day. That he didn't, he didn't stay in the tomb, right? He arose so that I could have life and you could have life and you could have it more abundantly. So it was a beautiful time of being with Sid, of being um, just in the presence of Jesus. And as we looked for him everywhere we went, and everywhere we went, we saw him. Uh, this is, um, we're going to go back to Capernaum now. Capernaum is on the water, and this is a fourth century ruins of a synagogue. And fourth century because it's actually built on the actual synagogue where Jesus would go and teach. That's the way they did things, you know. I, I don't really understand how, how generations kind of wipe out, but they build on top of it. I guess we have a little glimpse into that, seeing the lava rock in Hawaii as it consumes houses and villages. And then eventually, people will build on top of that. But, but this is a combination in Capernaum of St. Peter's house and the synagogue. And they are very, very close in distance. Uh, Sid, I don't know how close they are. Would you be willing, maybe 50 feet, 60 feet? That's how close they were. And this is looking... In, we are standing in a church that is built over St. Peter's living room. And right in the middle of the church is, is this round glass that you can look inside. But also, if you go outside of the church and look underneath it, which is what you're looking at now, this is the actual living room where they think 
that Jesus met with his disciples. So I couldn't help but think about this. Over here, you have this huge synagogue, and it is beautiful. I don't know how in the world they knew how to, to build like that, but the construction is beautiful and the details and, and just the size of it. I mean, it's huge up in the air. And then when the sun is kind of behind it, the shadow kind of falls on the village, right? And, and the village, there, there's ruins of where the village is, where the little houses were, where the streets were. And then you see St. Peter's house. And you see the, the first church was meeting in that little tiny rock house, that little living room where all it is is the way it's positioned are rocks. So the, the walls were rocks, the seats were rocks. And, and as I looked at that and I thought, how interesting, what, a, what an interesting analogy. Here we have a big mega church, right? And in the shadow of that mega church is this little small church. And I was very encouraged about the neighborhood church because I thought, you know, sometimes living in Dallas is, is just amazing how many mega churches we have in our city. And we are small. And, and I saw how interesting it was that maybe the neighborhood church in the shadow of all these mega churches. We are doing important work. Could I get an amen on that? And, and I thought how, at the time, how insignificant people probably viewed the disciples sitting in the living room with Jesus. And they were like, what are they doing? I'm going to go over here. And, and I just felt like the Lord was saying, be encouraged. The neighborhood church is doing important work for me. Because if you think back, if you look back at what the disciples did, Jesus, with the help of those 12 men, have changed the world. Amen? Isn't that exciting? So from here, we're going to go to the Jordan River. The Jordan River... Um, Actually, this is just after a very important event. And would you look at that wardrobe we're wearing? Look at that T-shirt. Um, how significant it was for Sid and I to actually get to the place where they recognize uh, and, and they do actual baptisms in this part of the river. Um, but the humility that we felt walking into the water knowing that Somewhere on that river, Jesus was baptized. And during that baptism, the Holy Spirit was formed in a dove and, and came across. And, and Sid and I talked about doing it. We packed some clothes, and we got there. Um, and, and it was just so simple. Uh, there were other tour buses there, and they were doing some interesting things, and Sid and I just slipped in the water. And I remember thinking when I first got in, oh, it's so cold. And then I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And then I'm like, 
I can do anything for Jesus. And so I walked on in the water, and Sid baptized me, and I baptized him. Yes, we've been baptized before. But this was a chance for us to renew our, our vows with God. Um, the most important and amazing, incredible thing that I've ever done in my life is to have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. And so at that time, we both rededicated our lives to Jesus because we want to make the rest of our lives worth it for him. Uh, The Jordan River, a couple of more slides. We got out, and if you'll notice the slide on the right, Sid looks like he's looking for something. Um, Actually, we had just gotten out of the river, and I had turned to take a picture, and I heard this huge commotion, and Sid's foot had gotten um, stuck in the mud, and he had fallen back in the river. And all these people were staring at him, so he was trying to save face. And I wasn't helping him too much by taking pictures. Uh, but he got a new phone out of the deal. So he was baptized. Yeah, it took two times for him. But he's a great sport, so I snuck that picture in without him knowing it. So we'll probably talk about that tonight. Uh, This is a beautiful, beautiful picture of the Jordan River. And let's keep going. So those are a few of our pictures. Um, But I want to talk to you tonight about um, the Jewish life back in biblical days and what it was like for children Uh, Children would start to school about six years of age, and they would start learning the Torah, which the Torah as we know it is the Old Testament. And the five um, first books, these kids started memorizing at six years old. They would have a local rabbi, and rabbi is another name for teacher. And they would have a local rabbi come in and teach these children. So by the time that they were 10, they had memorized the first five books of the Bible. Isn't that incredible? I don't want them to ask how many verses I know by memory. But these kids, at the age of 10, there was kind of a decision made on what they would do. The kids who really showed promise, these kids who who just had really excelled in memorizing these Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Number, and Deuteronomy, those kids would be invited back to have more education. But the majority of the kids at 10 years old would go out and learn a trade and they, or they would go back to their family and learn um, their family trade, some type of business, something that they could learn so that they could uh, eventually take care of themselves. Now, let's, let's focus on the kids who went on for further education. These kids started memorizing Genesis through Malachi. Th- this was serious stuff. 
Um, the rabbis would come in and teach them, but they were also observing them. They were also understanding their rhythms and seeing in some kids a rhythm of, this is awesome, I'm going to conquer this. They were also seeing other students who might have been struggling a little bit. So at the age of 15, these kids had the whole Old Testament memorized. And then they were the best of the best, right? Because they had stuck with it. So now at the ripe old age of 15, some of these kids really wanted to become a rabbi themselves. And they were like, I am willing to do the work. I know that I'm going to be a rabbi. And so the next step was to apply with a local rabbi that they knew of. Now, the local rabbis generally started their ministry around 30, about the same time that Jesus did. And they would be looking around, and these students would apply to them. And these students knew that it was going to be incredibly hard to become an apprentice to become a student of this rabbi. And, and the rabbis, as they interpreted the word of God, they were different from each other. Um, probably a lot like some of the preachers are today with how they translate the Bible. So this rabbi kind of had his way of doing it, and this rabbi had his way of doing it. And, and so... They were looking for students who could carry on the way that they interpreted the Bible, the way that they taught, the way that they led the people. So for them, it was a very, very serious journey of selecting these students. And what they were looking for was students who were willing to leave their family, their friends, everything that they have known up to this time, and they would become an apprentice to their rabbi, the teacher. Um, now, I hear that uh, Will and Isaac went out, and they were apprentices this weekend. Is that right, Sid, bud? And uh, yeah, good for you. So, so, if Will and Isaac were really, really serious about wanting to become fence builders, they would maybe seek Robert Vaughn out or Bill Brown and say, look, teach me everything you know. And they would, from day to day, follow Bill and Robert around, learning what they did because they were serious apprentices. And so these students in the Jewish days who wanted to advance, they were the best of the best of the best of the best, okay? I would call them the A team. They made it. Now, I know what it's like to be on the B team. I was always the last one chosen for kickball at school. So I know what it's like to be on the B team. But everybody else, these serious students who had a natural gift of learning. 
who could push themselves, they were on the A-team. And they got chosen. Now, if a rabbi met with a kiddo and he, he thought he just can't cut it, then at 15 he would recommend, I think you should go learn the family business or a business trade so that you can take care of yourself. And that student would exit the program. So the students who were taken in by an individual rabbi became mimicking of that rabbi. Now, he was not in it just for the sake of knowing about a rabbi and how a rabbi functions. He wanted to be the rabbi. He wanted to take his yoke, his interpretations, his translations of the word, and he wanted to become that actual rabbi. And, and it was a very cutthroat thing. You had to be really good to fall in line with that. I would have missed out for several reasons. So let's fast forward to Jesus. Jesus comes in, and he's a rabbi. He's a teacher. And he needs disciples. So he goes over, and he's walking on the beach of the Sea of Galilee. And he sees Peter and Andrew over there, and he says, hey, hey, guys, come here. And they, out of curiosity, come. Now, what do we know about them? They're fishermen, right? So we know that they are not highly educated. That's somewhere around 10 or so. They probably exited the education process. And, and he called them over, and he simply said, follow me. Follow me. And, and we know that they left everything that they knew. We know that they left their fishing business. They left their families because there was something about this rabbi that was so appealing that they wanted to know more about them. But look at what Jesus was telling these guys. It's not so much that uh, just follow me, but it's like, come on, come with me because you know why? Because I know you can do it. I know you can be like me. I know that you can live a life just like I do. I know that, that you can be full of love, compassion, joy, hope. I know that you can live like me. So I'm asking you, follow me. Become my apprentice. Become my disciples. So back in the day and still today, Israel, the parts that we were in around Jerusalem, Nazareth, around the Dead Sea, very, very, very dry. They don't get a lot of rain. And back in the day, they wore sandals, and there's still a lot of dirt, and there's still a lot of mountains that have nothing growing on them because of the lack of rain. And so it was dirty being outside in the heat all day long. And then you have this, this student who is trudging along behind his rabbi. And so that, that whatever the rabbi is stepping in, whether it's dust or mud, when he walks, it's kicked up 
on the student, right? Because he's following close behind because he wants to learn everything that there is about this rabbi, what he thinks, what he eats, the rhythms of his life. And so there was an old saying that came about from the old wise men that may you be covered with the dust of your master. May you be covered with the dust of your rabbi, the teacher. And, and you can see when these students would, in the evening, go to rest and, and be by themselves. Don't you know they would come in dirty? I mean, they would have a layer of dust, if not three or four layers, and, and their feet would be caked in mud. They would be covered with the dust of their rabbi. And I think that's the point tonight. We talk about, we talk a lot about in this church about being a disciple. What does that mean? You know, follow me? Does it just mean to read about Jesus? Or or does it mean to live the life of Jesus? Allowing yourself to get dirty. You guys and gals, who went out and worked uh, with Mary Lou yesterday and today, you guys were covered with filth. Sid came home, and I held my notes. I mean, and you did have to pick one of the hottest days to be outside, right? But Sid comes home, and he is so dirty. And I'm like, don't sit anywhere. Just go, 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 go. Go to the shower. Get, get all that dust off of you. You know what's so sweet about that story yesterday and today? These guys were covered with the dust of their rabbi. This is how we learn to be like Jesus. We don't just read about him. We don't just have conversations about him. We dive into knowing him and allowing him to teach us his own rhythms if he does something, we do something. You know why? Because we're like a mini Christ. We have allowed Jesus to come live inside of us, and we want to be Jesus to everybody that we meet. Amen? So, so Sid and I, I actually took plastic, Ziploc plastic bags, and we dug up the beach of the Sea of Galilee, at least part of it. And, and, and if you want to know how to make sure that security will go through your bags, just dig a bunch of sand and put it in a bag and put it in your suitcase, and it turns out to be about, you know, like this and like this. And, and I get this big note that they're going to check my suitcase, and then... And then after they inspect it and they see there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, they go, why do you want to bring home dirt? And I'm like, I want to give it to my church. And so we actually brought some of the beach back and and, and some of the sand. And it's not one of those gimmick things where you see Jesus' face on a piece of cheese toast or something. (laughs) 
I don't want you to think we're going there. But what I want you to remember when you look at this is this little phrase that the wise men used to say, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi, Jesus. May you follow him so closely that you learn his rhythms and that he lives within you. And you become the teacher to those who don't know Jesus. May you be covered with the dust of your rabbi, Jesus. Stay standing and receive our benediction for tonight. And once again, may you be covered with the dust of your rabbi, Jesus. Go in his peace and love.